Let's pray. Father, we ask that you bless us this morning as we come to sit at your feet and to listen to your word. Father, particularly as we talk about this topic of fear, whatever it is that maybe is causing fear in our own lives, drive it away with your presence, your power, your word, your forgiveness and love. Help us to focus on that truth today and not be afraid because you are with us. You have saved us and you have made us your people. We pray all this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Fear is arguably one of the most powerful emotions that we have. Would you agree? Right. Fear is what can make very normal, sane, smart people act crazy. But that's just the beginning. Fear can mess with our mental health. Right? Ask anybody who's struggled with depression or anxiety if fear is a component, and they will say, yeah, and here's the problem, right? You become afraid and anxious about something, that those levels go up, and then you become more afraid, and then you're more anxious, and then you're more afraid. And just as much as, as fear affects our mental health and well-being, it also affects our physical health and well-being, right? If you worry, if you're stressed, if you're afraid, it's going to manifest itself. Headaches, you're not sleeping well, maybe you don't eat as well, right? It has those consequences because fear is a powerful emotion. You know, one of the things about, about fear that I find rather interesting that I, I didn't give it much thought until this week is also the thought, and I think the truth, that fear is contagious, right? If, if somebody over here or a group over here is afraid and, and we witness that, some of us, it's going to cause us to become afraid too. Or maybe, maybe think of it this way, if your parents, right? If, if your kids see you stressed, if they see you afraid of, of whatever you're facing, it's going to affect them too, whether you admit it or not or realize it or not. It is. Because fear is contagious. So much so that when a pandemic hits, or a storm maybe threatens our coast that's thousands of miles off and probably won't even hit us, but people will go out and they will buy a lifetime supply of toilet paper, food, gas, water, even though they probably really don't need it. Not that much, because fear gives birth to more fear, right? Well, here's the deal. Whenever we're talking about fear, we all have them. Young and old, men and women, it, it doesn't matter what station in life, we, we all have fears. Different ones, sure, but we all have things in life that cause us to become afraid, that, that raise our blood pressure, that, that raise our anxiety levels through the roof because we're scared of those things. And again, it might be different for you than me, or if you're younger or older, depending on where you're at in life, but, but we all have them, whether it's COVID or cancer whether it's the future of our country or just simply the future of your kids, whether it's sickness or financial trouble, or just turn on the news or scroll through your media page, and that will give you enough to be afraid of. But it's there, and we have them. 
So this morning, we're going we're gonna to talk about fear head on, and we're going to look at a story in the Gospel of Matthew about a group of guys, grown men, who were terrified. And we're going to see what Jesus does for them to alleviate their fears and take them away. And in the process, we're also going to see what Jesus does to take away our fears too. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14, and this is the account. We're told that immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the Gospel of Jesus. Like any good Bible story, it's really important to get the context of what's happening. Because if you understand the context, you would know that fear was the last thing on the disciples' minds that evening when Jesus tells them to get into a boat. Because you see, just before that, they had witnessed the unbelievable they had witnessed one of Jesus' many miracles, right? Jesus had taken a couple loaves of bread and a few fish and fed over 5,000 people. And if I'm getting my scripture correct, the Bible says that's just the guys. That's not the wives and the girlfriends and the significant others and the kids and, and everybody else that was there. That's a lot of people. Right? And at the end of that, Jesus told his disciples, said, go out and collect all the leftovers. And you know how much food they brought back? Way more than the few fish and the few loaves of bread that they started with. And so fear was not in the disciples' mind. No, there would have been a buzz in the air. They would have been snapping some, some, some Instagram shots, maybe with Jesus and some baskets in the background, telling their friends, you're never going to believe what we saw. Jesus turned that little bit of food into a banquet for dozens, hundreds, Thousands of people. It wouldn't have been fear. It would have been excitement. It wouldn't have been terror. It would have been joy and awe and wow, I got to tell somebody what I saw. But that's not what we hear in our lesson. Because after Jesus says, hey, you guys get on the boat, you, you guys are going to take a little nighttime cruise to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, I'll meet up with you because I'm going to spend a little time alone and in prayer. At some point, excitement turned to fear. 
Because at some point, the disciples are trying to get across the lake, and this wind, this storm pops up, and, and they're not making any headway. Because remember, they don't have an outboard motor to say, hey, just start that up, get the diesel engine going, and we'll get across that lake, no problem. This was their diesel engine. They had to row. And the wind was so strong, they're not making any headway. And minutes ticked into a few hours, and it starts to sink in, like, hey, this ain't going so well. Now remember, some of these guys in the boat, they made their living on that lake. They'd been in storms, they'd been in wind, wind buffering the boat, they'd been through it all. But even those guys start to realize this ain't good. We're not getting to the other side, and if we don't get to the other side and we start taking on water, and don't think of a big like cruise ship, this would have been a small boat 2,000 years ago. If we take on water and this boat goes down, we're, we're not going to make it home. We're going to die. I think we can start to see why they were afraid, right? Who of us wouldn't be afraid in that situation? And then to add to it, right, they're already struggling against the wind, and then with each flash of lightning across the night sky, they see something. And it can't be a human because whatever that is, it's on top of the water, and every flash of lightning, it gets closer and closer and closer. And they're scared because they think it's a ghost. Now, of course, you and I, we know the whole story. We know that it's Jesus coming, right? And Jesus shows up, and this is what he says. He says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You can hear the collective sigh in the boat, right? Maybe some cheers, maybe like, yes, Jesus, it's him, he's here, we're going to be okay, guys. We are going to make it home tonight, we're going to be safe, everything's fine. Except, that was not their reaction. They got even more scared and terrified, because now the wind and waves are battling them, they might drown in this sea, and now they're being haunted by what they thought was a ghost. And they're terrified. Now, I think that to understand the situation the disciples were in, or maybe even to understand our own fears, maybe it's good to consider what is the root of our fears? What is it that causes you to become afraid? And I don't mean maybe, maybe the symptoms or the actual events. I mean, what, what's the real root of the fears that you have. I mean, if we're honest, at least when I thought about this this last week, doesn't a lot of it come down to the fact that we are not in control? Or when we lose control of a situation, what's kind of our natural, where we get anxious, we get fearful, we get scared when we lose that control? Isn't part of the problem the, the fact that we think we are the captain of our own ship and that's how we want it, but deep down we know we're not because there's so many things that are outside our control? I mean, think about the disciples. What really was causing them fear? They had no control over that wind that was blowing in their face so they couldn't get to the other side and they became afraid. 
They had no control over an angry sea churning up, putting waves over their boat, potentially threatening to capsize them. No control over that storm whatsoever. They had no control over whoever that was out there coming toward the boat that they thought was a ghost. And in every situation, it caused them more fear. And we get it, right? We, we understand. We, we would have been no different than those boys in that boat that day. So what about us? When hurricane-force winds and 20-foot storm surges come crashing at us in our lives, what do we often do? We're scared. When illness affects us or maybe a loved one, and maybe it's more serious than just a cold that you're going to get over, we become afraid. When maybe it's a financial struggle and we're wondering how we're going to make this happen or this happen, we easily get scared. Maybe it's a relationship that has been strained or struggling and we're worried if we'll ever be able to reconcile again. Will the marriage improve? Will that kid who's grown and we're at odds, will they come back and we have a conversation or is that relationship done? Or maybe it's those past sins and that guilt that we think about and we wonder, well, will that person forgive me? Could, could God actually love me because of the things I did? We all have them, don't we? Will my marriage improve? Will, will the treatments on mom work? Will my kids be okay growing up in, in such a hostile world? Will I ever get over that depression? Will that relationship ever be reconciled? Whatever it is, different for all of us, we all have fears. Just like those disciples. But the good news is, just like Jesus came to them, in the midst of their storms, Jesus comes to us too. He doesn't abandon you. He doesn't leave you rocking on that boat on the raging sea of life. He walks on the water straight into your storm to remind you that he's with you. And he comes into the middle of the storms of life that you're faced with, and he says, you know, you may not have the control, but, but I never gave up the reins. I'm in complete control over all things, right? See, this is what you got to understand about God. Nothing that happens in your life or in this world is a shock to him. He, he never has to go, oh my gosh, i got to re reconsider here, and he's, and he's panicking. Never, because God is in control of all things, he says. Right? It's Jesus who walks into your storms, and he says, hey, you may not know what tomorrow will bring, but I hold tomorrow in my hands. It's Jesus who comes walking on the water to you and to me and says, I got this. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. It's Jesus who comes and he reaches out that hand like he did for Peter and he pulls us up out of our raging sea of doubt and anxiety and illness and fear and worry and everything else and he saves us. To me, that's one of the most interesting parts of this whole story is Jesus' interaction with Peter. Did you catch it? 
Right? Peter, he, he's, just, he's just this bundle of faith and doubt and fear and confidence. Right? He's in the boat. It's rocking to and fro. He's thinking that's a ghost. Jesus says, well, it's me. They're still not convinced. Even Peter, not fully, but he does say, well, if it is you, Jesus, tell me to come out to you. Right? Fear and faith all worked into one. If it's really you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. And Peter, if you know anything about Peter, this is typical Peter. He's like, all right. And you can just imagine Peter kind of climbing over the boat and, and maybe even like, is this going to work? <laughs> then he realizes, oh, my goodness. I, I, I'm not sinking. Hey, hey, guys, I'm not sinking. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is like, yeah, I told you. Come on. Come to me, Peter. And, and he's coming out to Jesus. And everything's going great. I mean, Peter is walking on water just like his Savior. <sighs> but then it happens. Right, Matthew tells us that Peter, he saw the wind, which I think is an interesting concept, right? You can't really see wind. You can see the effects of wind, but wind itself, no. But he sees the wind, and certainly all its effects and the waves, and he becomes afraid. And beginning to sink, Peter cries out, Lord, save me! Right, Peter's going down. And just as much as Peter had no power of his own to walk on that water out to Jesus... As he starts to sink in an angry sea, he has no power to save himself. Like, Peter's going to die without Jesus' help. So Peter says, Lord, Lord, save me, right? Now, here's the question I, I want you to think about. What happened to Peter? What happened to him? I mean, if it's you, Jesus, yeah, it's me. Come on. And he's like, all right, cool. And he's walking on water, and it's all working out great. What does he have to be afraid of? What happened to Peter? He took his eyes off Jesus. Right? There were other voices, not just Jesus that night, calling out to him saying, look at me. The wind and the angry waves said, Peter, look at us. And Peter did. He said, we're going to kill you. We're going to drown you. And instead of looking at Jesus, he looks at the wind and the sea, and he's thinking, I am toast. Doesn't that happen to us too? So many voices in our lives calling for our attention, and they say, look at us. And often, instead of looking straight at Jesus, we start looking to the left and to the right and to all these other things, and we begin to sink. Right? When maybe there's some trouble on the horizon in that relationship, that's what calls out to us. Say, look at, look at me. There's trouble. And I don't know if this is going to get fixed, y'all, because this is pretty bad. You know what they did? You know what you said? It's not going to be fixed. And we look at the trouble. We look at the waves. And we're not looking at Jesus anymore. And what happens? We get scared. Or when illness strikes, maybe it's a little more than, than the common cold or the flu or even COVID. And it says, hey, look at us. I don't think treatments are going to work on dad. That cancer, it's going to take them out. The MS or the lupus or the depression, you know, hey, that's just life now. Deal with it. And what do we do? We, we look at those things and we take our eyes off Jesus. Or maybe it's financial and, and those stack of bills call out to you and say, hey, over here, take a look at me. These aren't going to pay themselves. That, that the financial thing is not going to take itself. And so we stop looking at Jesus and maybe we start thinking, well, if I only I work more. And money is obviously the solution, more of it. And we stop looking to Jesus as a solution. 
Or maybe it's the future of our kids. Well, you should be worried. This country's going to hell in a handbag, and all this stuff is happening, and that's what your kids are going to grow up into. You should be terrified. And we look at that, and we don't look at Jesus. Or our phones ding, and, and we pick them up to look at the latest notification, the, the latest news story, the latest thing that we're supposed to be angry and afraid about, and we actually listen to those things, and we get angry and afraid, and we stop looking at Jesus. Right, Peter, he stopped looking at Jesus. He got scared. He took his eyes off Jesus. He, he no longer trusted and doubted fully in his Savior. He thought he was going down. And oftentimes, isn't that how it works with us too? When we lose control of something, when we, when we get scared and we take our eyes off Jesus, fear is the natural result. And that's why I love this picture that I want to share with you right now. This is a depiction of an Old Testament Bible story by a guy named Britton Riviere. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But when I saw this this last week, I thought, man, this really plays well into the topic we're talking about today. Do you know the story? Right, that, that guy standing there is a guy named Daniel. He was a prophet of God, born in Israel, but exiled to Babylon. Right, there was a war that took place in Daniel's home country where many of his family members, friends, and countrymen were killed. His cities were burned to the ground. He escaped it because the Babylonians actually enslaved him and brought him to Babylon as an exile where Daniel would never get to go see his homeland again. Yet while he was in Babylon, God blessed him, and he actually rose throughout the ranks of the government to the point where he was like on a first-name basis with the king. And the king loved him, right? Daniel was a, a dedicated worker as he followed God. Well, one day the government decides to come out with a law that says you can't just worship God, Daniel, your own God. You're, you're going to worship our gods. And oftentimes it was people like, you're going to worship and pray to the king because he's God incarnate. Okay? And Daniel's like, he's not going to do it. And so some of Daniel's enemies, they, they catch him praying to God. <laughs> and so they went and tattled. They told the king, hey, you're, you know what? We saw Daniel breaking your law, O king. And even though the king, like Daniel, certainly didn't want to lose one of his top officials, I mean, it's the law, right? You're the king. You have to keep the law. All right. And so the king throws Daniel into a den of hungry lions. Right? Just like Peter. Peter's going down. He's going to drown. Daniel is going to die a horrible death as they rip him limb by limb by limb. Yet... This is why I love this picture. You see what Daniel's doing? He's not looking at the lions. Now, I don't know about you, but if I get thrown in a den of lions, I'm probably retreating to a corner, but I'm not taking my eyes off these guys. I want to make sure I know where they are, and even though I'm probably going to die anyway, I'm certainly not going to turn my back on an apex predator. What's he doing? <laughs> He's not looking at the hungry lions. He's not looking at the lions at all. He's looking toward his God. 
The God who said, I got you, Daniel. The God who said, I love you. The God who said, even if he doesn't shut the mouth of those lions, would take Daniel home forever to heaven. And so Daniel was focused on Jesus and his promises to him. Friends, maybe, maybe some of the reasons we get so scared and worried and anxious in our lives is because we're, we're looking at the lions and we're not looking at the Lamb of God. Or maybe the reason you're anxious or worried or fearful about something right now is because you're looking at the lions who are drooling and are ready to pounce and kill you and devour you up, and you're not looking at the Lamb who has taken away the sins of the world. Whether it's relationship issues, right? Maybe, maybe you're looking at those things thinking, how can I figure this out? And you stop trusting Jesus who said, I'll, I'll take care of it. One way or the other, I'll bring you through this. Maybe you've been looking at that hungry lion of illness and you're really nervous about an ailing parent or a sick child and your only focus is on the lion and you're like, that lion's going to pounce and, and devour them. And you stop looking at, at Jesus who says, I got this. Or maybe it's some other issue in your life. Maybe it's as you think about all the things that are happening in your life personally, around you, in our entire lives, publicly, and, and instead of trust and looking at Jesus, you become afraid. And you're scared. Maybe instead of focusing on Jesus, you're more focused on, on, on saying things or posting things that will only actually add to the fear instead of actually posting something that will point someone to Jesus. Because here's the deal, friends. If we keep focused on the things that cause us fear and sin and worry and doubt, or this person or that group or that government party or that one to help us, to save us, if it's not Jesus, you're going to sink every single time. You just will. And so what is Jesus going to do about this? Because I think you guys understand, like Peter, we're sinking in a sea of fear, and there's nothing we can do about it. We know we're going down. Well, you know what Jesus did for Peter? He walks over to him, and he starts to yell at him, and he starts to scold him and say, why did you doubt me? You know better. You just saw my miracles, man. He, and then he went like this with his foot, and he pushed him under. You know that's not what Jesus did. Right, immediately, no hesitation, no lecture, no scolding, no, you should have known better, even though Peter deserved all of it. Jesus reaches down, he grips his hand, and he pulls him up to safety. And he's... that even the wind and wave could not pry Peter from Jesus' hand. That's your Jesus, too. The same Jesus who comes walking on water into your life. The same Jesus that whatever it is that causes your heart to be afraid, he walks on that water and right into your storm. And I don't know if you caught that concept here, but, but I really love the fact that Jesus is walking on water because walking on top of something means what? 
if we say, hey, so-and-so is walking all over you, we're saying, well, they're dominating you, man. You're just rolling over and dying. Well, guess what? Jesus walks on water because he dominates water. The wind and waves stop when Jesus shows up because he dominates that because it's his. He created it. And you know what else Jesus dominated for you? Sin, death, and hell. All of your enemies, all of my enemies that are greater than any other fear that I talked about today, that we had no capability to beat at all, Jesus went and he dominated them. I don't know if you remember this picture from the Garden of Eden when God first promised Jesus, but the picture was this, right? He's going to strike your heel, the devil is going to strike Jesus' heel, but Jesus would crush his head, right? The foot on the head, the foot on top of the water, the foot on top of every fear, every sin, every doubt of yours, because Jesus won the battle, and he dominated. And he did it for you. Whatever the storm is in your life, he has walked on top of it and he walks into it to remind you that he's there and you don't need to be afraid. Friends, when you start to to realize, when you start to understand and truly believe what Jesus has done for you, the storms in this life get a little less scary. They don't go away. You're going to keep having them. It doesn't mean that they disappear and you'll never struggle or doubt or have fears. But when you see that Jesus is there, the storms aren't as scary as they once were. When you start to to understand and know and believe the height and the depth and the breadth and the amazingness of God's love for you through Jesus, a love that he purchased and won on his cross, When you start to understand that because of what he did, you're now his child, a child that he says he's never going to forget, never going to abandon, never going to let go. You can have peace and confidence knowing whatever the storm is, that Jesus who's with you is going to bring you through it. And when we start to know that truth and understand that truth and trust in that truth, then our worry, then our fear, it can turn to praise and joy and peace and confidence because we know that no matter what, our Jesus has dominated all things for us and whatever storm it is, he's jumped into the storm with us to save us and rescue us. Right right at the end of the story, what happens? Jesus pulls Peter up, saves him, and then he gets into the boat with all of them. And they knew it was going to be okay. Now they even said, truly, this is the Son of God. They saw his power. It's going to be okay. Guess what? Jesus has rescued you, and he has gotten into the boat with you. And he promises to be with you through every storm of life until that boat safely anchors on the shores of heaven. You have his word on it. Because he is truly the Son of God, and your Savior. So you don't need to be afraid about anything. Amen.